Um, yeah, we were here three years ago, uh, my family and I, uh, training and preparing uh, to be here. Uh, this was uh, my family three years ago. When we came here, it's me and my wife and my, my daughter, Chloe. And then three years later, this is my family. And uh, so life happens fast. And uh, multiplying, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. And that's uh, kind of what, what we've been doing. So those are my, my three kids, Chloe, Jack, Sadie. And we started Imago Day Church in Downey, uh, which is southeast LA. And we started it, it's, we moved th from here three years ago. So it's been about two and a half years that we've been going as a church. You're thinking, Imago Day, what does that mean? Awesome, I get to tell you. That's why we named it that. So everyone I ever meet, I get to say, hey, Imago Day. It means image of God. And that's the first description of humanity in the Bible. It's on page one. And what that means is that your identity as a human being most fundamentally is not wrapped up in your job. It's not wrapped up in your success. It's not wrapped up in your failure. But rather, what it means to be a human person is that you are made to know God and have a relationship with him and to display his glory uh, through your life. And so naming a name that's kind of weird means I get to explain that to every single person I meet. And uh, I get to share just the seed of the gospel when we get in contact with people. So being a part of Anthem was a huge part of our story. Um, and I know a lot of you are, are new here, but, but Anthem is a church that plants churches. And, and through your prayers, through uh, financial support, and through coaching and friendship, you guys have played a part in the church being planted in Southeast LA. And so part of even as I'm here preaching this morning, I want to give you an update of what God is doing in LA. And then as this is a series that you guys are doing through the church, talking about what does it mean to be the church, I think it'll, it'll hopefully transition very nicely into uh, the scripture and the text that we're going to be looking at today. But when we planted, we planted through the Evangelical Free Church of America. It's the same denomination that Anthem is a part of. One of the coaches told us, hey, planting in Los Angeles, starting a new church in LA is incredibly tough um, for one just real key reason, and that's that finding a place to gather, to meet, is really tough. Everything's already built out. It's really expensive, and so to start something th from scratch, it's really prohibitive, and we have experienced that. Uh, and, and so I'm going to show you just we, one of the ways you can tell the story of our church is through all the different places that we've gathered. And so this is, um, we actually started in a, a museum. I don't have any pictures from there. We didn't, no one thought to take pictures from that time period. But we started in a, in a museum, uh, then we met in an art gallery. Uh, from the art gallery, we went to an elementary school. Uh, we didn't have the elementary school at the time, so we would often host meetings in a restaurant. Uh, that's the restaurant we met at. Uh, from the restaurant, uh, after we lost the elementary school, we were in a park. Uh, from the park, we moved to my backyard. <laughs> so just kind of pause on that. So we, we met, this was like summer two years ago. Uh, we met there throughout the summer. Um, 100 degrees, and, and spiritual attack, we got met with feral cats that were breeding in our backyard. And so there was one Sunday morning where we had caught one in a trap, and we just put a little curtain in front of it, and it was like kind of meowing, like as we were gathering together, but it's sort of like, you know, if you can't see it, it's not there. Uh, hot, there were bugs everywhere, helicopters flying, we did the kids' nursery in my like living room, and then we had elementary kids in the front lawn, and that was church, and we, we met in that way. God blessed us. There was a Korean Presbyterian church that uh, hosted us in the evening, and then last year, uh, they moved out, 
and they gave us the space. That's the same space we, we uh, were able to, to be there. And so we don't own it, but we, we, we have a, a three-year lease now that we're, we're able to, to meet in a place. And that's actually, uh, I'm sorry, go back what, real quick. That's, uh, that's Matt Larson, lead pastor here, uh, preaching for us a couple months ago. And then just a little update on some of the life of the church, of what God's been doing is um, uh, that couple on the left, Jonathan and Daisy, man, we met them uh, actually just going door to door in the apartments in our neighborhood. And we have a food ministry that we were doing and so we were connecting with, with people. And uh, we met them, got in a connection with them. And that's them giving their testimony. Uh, they got baptized recently as they, they came to faith um, just through, through the church and through everything that's going on. So that's real cool. And then this, man, this, this picture right here, that, that, the baptism here that's happening, uh, the guy in kind of the maroon shirt, he's, he's a young man in his early 20s. His name's Zach. He's been battling leukemia off and on, or and, and on uh, more recently uh, for the last couple years, it's really since we started. And so it's gotten pretty intense. He spent a lot of time in the hospital. He's lost his hair. And most recently he, um, uh, there was some buildup pressure and it, it caused him to lose his sight. And so he's, he's now permanently blind, at least for the, the foreseeable future. And, and, the, and the guy getting baptized was his friend Adam, who I met for the first time a little less than a year ago. And when I met him, he was like, hey, just so you know, uh, I, I don't want anything to do with this. I'm, I'm an atheist, but uh, I'm, uh, Zach here is my, my friend, and so I'm just going to help him out and, and kind of be there for him. And so that's Zach baptizing his um, friend Adam. So, um, which is... Uh, uh, yeah, it's maybe one of the sweetest stories that, w- that we've had as a church, just seeing the gospel at work and the power there. There's these movies, uh, God's Not Dead. You don't need to spend 12 bucks and get a ticket. Just like, just look at the picture. Like, God's not, God's not dead. He's, he's alive. He's active. He's working. He's moving, he's, and he's moving through his people. And as I'm sharing these, these pictures, I, I, I don't know if you caught this, but I made... Um, a little transition as I was sharing. We were telling the story of all these different places that we've gathered, and then I, I, I said, and here's some of the life of what's happening. There's a little subtle transition that, that I made because it's, it's really important as, as we, we talk about what the church is in the series that you guys are doing of, of, of the church. You understand, and this might seem basic, but yet it's not. <laughs> the church is not the building. It's the people. And it's the, the people of God worshiping God on mission with God. That's what the church is. And, and, and there's no um, one building. There's no one place. There's no one way in which that plays out. I think Matt taught last week, or if he hasn't, then this is my job today. But the, the word church literally means an assembly of God's people. It's not required to take place in any sort of building. It's not required any sort of form or shape in terms of the, the style or culture. It's the people of God. It's not an organization. It's not corporate. It's family. That's what the church is. That, and it's for you to consider that all over the world, this is like bonkers when I consider this, all over the world today, in cathedrals, in warehouses, in backyards, in elementary schools, in, in huts, in parks, in, in homes, 
The people of God have been gathering, offering up worship to him, seeking to conform their life into the image of his son and, and to press out the mission of God into the world. That that's happening all over. And when we gather, we play a part of that. We don't beam into one service with one culture in one language. The people of God are a people of every tribe, every tongue, every nation, multi-ethnic, multicultural, global. This is the story that you and I are a part of. And yet, even as I say that, and you're all nodding, like, yeah, the church is not a building. And yet, where are we? We're in a building. Right? The church is global, and yet, where are we? We're in a location. We're in Thousand Oaks. The church is not a, a show. It's not an event. And yet, one person is talking right now. If you're talking, you should stop it. Right? Uh, <laughs> right? That's, that's, that, that's what's happening right now. It's, it's a people, and yet you are an individual. You are a person. And so there's this sort of both and reality to the church. There's maybe even a, a little bit of tension in terms of like, you know, the, the church is not uh, um, an organization, and yet here we are at Anthem Church, and there's a logo. You know what I mean? And there's marked times, and there's, and there's, there's this kind of like, okay, how do we walk through this? What does the Bible have to say? In following Jesus, what does it look like to really press into what the church is? And I think that this sort of tension of global, and yet here we are. Of a people, and yet I'm a person. That that actually is a real beauty and intentional design by God in his um, desire that his glory fill every aspect of every uh, part of this world. And so I want to give you two words to describe the church that I think might help, um, if not resolve the tension, help you walk in this tension. And the two words are this. The church is both gathered, and scattered. The church is both gathered and scattered. It's not one or the other, it's both and. And so what I'm gonna do today is I'm gonna give you three different lenses to kind of understand this gathered, scattered reality. It's gonna be a little bit more like teaching, Bible study in that space. And after we kind of walk through that, then I'm gonna really bring it home for your life and for this church specifically. Does that sound good? All right, if you have a Bible, would you open it up uh, to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. If you do not have a Bible, um, there, it will, there, I think there's Bibles on the side of the row, and then also it will be on the screen. Romans chapter 8. In the book of Romans, Paul is writing, and uh, as you walk into chapter 8, he's really just been uh, unpacking and, and, and preaching the gospel, talking about the work of Jesus, the necessity of what Jesus has accomplished through his life and death and resurrection. And it's all building. It's layer, 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 layer. And then you get to Romans 8, verse 1. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You are forgiven and free. Amen. This is the gospel. It's, it's all these are the implications of what it means, what Jesus has achieved. You're forgiven. And then we get to verses 12 through 17, and I'm going to read if you'll follow along with me. He says this, So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, 
For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God have this identity. They are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery. So what, what, what God has done through Jesus is he didn't bring you to a place of slavery to fall back into fear, but instead what God has done is that you have received the spirit, a certain reality, it's this, a spirit of adoption. That through the work of Jesus, you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, and through the spirit's work, you cry, Abba, Father, because of Jesus, you have an intimate relationship with God where you are now adopted and know him as Father. And the Spirit himself, verse 16, bears witness. It reminds us, it continually tells us, it tells our spirit that we are children of God. A new identity that's given to you through the work of Jesus. You are not outcast. You are not on the outside. You have been brought near. God is your Father. And if you are children, verse 17, then heirs. You receive inheritance, your heirs of God, and fellow heirs you share with, that's important, share with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Part of what it means to be saved by Jesus, you put your faith in Jesus, part of what salvation is that you are adopted by God into the family. That what salvation is, is it's not like an Amazon package that, you know, shows up at your door and you get, the, no, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a new reality that is given to you, that, that overtakes and shapes your life. You are now, I mean, we say you are forgiven, or, or the fancy theological word for this is you are justified, which means that there is a declaration from God about your identity that you are righteous, that's justification. It's a beautiful reality. It's the, that's what salvation is. It's not just, oh, I'm going to heaven when I die. It's that you are declared by God to be righteous. Wow. And one of the other realities is this, is that you are declared by God. You are adopted. You are brought into the family of God. Through Jesus, you have intimate access to God as your Father. Beautiful. Glory. Okay. Why am I, what's, what am I going here? Okay. Here, here's why. I'm going here. If God is my father, and God is your father, what does that make us? Yeah, brothers and sisters, siblings, family. Now, if you've been around church, if, if, maybe if you're, if you're new here, then you're like, this is new to you. Awesome. But if you've grown up, if you've been around church, if you've ever been in church culture, you will hear often people say things like, I love the metaphor of church as family. To which I would just tell you, fam, it's not a metaphor. It's a concrete reality. Are you metaphorically forgiven? I sure hope not. <laughs> right? I, I, I sure hope it's not a metaphor, but it's actually a, a living reality that you stand before God, wiped clean, made new, restored. Part of that is you are brought into the family. You are my brothers and my sister. God is my father. This is the new reality and the new relationship. You are not saved individually and then choose to join the church. Actually, part of what salvation is is that you are brought, you are saved into the church. Because when you are saved, you are given a new identity. That's, what, that's why it's grace. You don't really have control over it at some level. 
That's why you, I got nothing to offer you, God. I can't convince you to love me. I can't earn my way before you. God, I need you. And God in grace has pursued you all along. He brings you in. He cleans you. He makes you his own. But, but make no mistake, what's happening in grace is that he is now the one who shapes your identity. And part of that reality is that he, he's bringing you into his family. And so the first lens, as, as we talk about this, is that you are justified, but you are also familified. You are, you are brought into the family, and there is a church. God is gathering people universal, a universal church all over the people of God who are gathered by faith in Jesus, who share common faith and our family in him. You are part of the church just by believing in Jesus, that's part of your identity. You are part of the universal church. You are gathered there. But if you are part of the family, that means that you are part of the family business. Which means that, that Jesus says to this church, he says, go, make disciples of all nations. And so you're gathered into Jesus and then sent out to the nations. The church is universal and it's also Local. It's scattered amongst every nation, amongst every city. That's the heart of the church. And so if you would look in the scriptures, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2. Oh, not 12, my bad. Chapter 1, verse 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. Paul writes, To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, look at this, together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's saying together with, with everyone else that's called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the church universal, and yet there's this specific reality where he's writing to the church of God in Corinth. And really, that's what the New Testament is. It's these letters that are written to specific churches in specific places, uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Romans. I mean, these are all churches in different cities writing to specific needs, specific times. The book of Revelation, seven churches. Over and over again, there's these different localities, a scatteredness of this universal gathered church. And I'm going to unpack that more. We'll, we'll hit that home more. For now, you just need to understand the concept. And, and what I'd love you just to understand just briefly is, is that the local church matters. It's not a commercial for Anthem Church. But the local church matters because the local church is an expression of the universal reality. That, that there's this universal reality. People are brought together into the family of God and then sent to different locations to bring that reality and that life present. If you were to open up the Thousand Oaks Acorn, I think it's the Acorn, right? Uh, or the, or the, the Parks and Rec magazine, I'm sure there are plenty of clubs and communities that gather together. And they're formed around all sorts of different affinities, likes and dislikes. You like the same music or age range or, or you like tennis or whatever your jam is, there's a club for it. And the church is like the one thing that says we're not based around affinity. We're not based around likes. We're not based around um, uh, common interests. We're not based around age. There's no commonality in this room 
There's no commonality except for faith in Jesus Christ. That's what binds us together. The gospel brings us as one. And it's actually our differences that, that cr- present to the world the, the, the reality, the gospel of what Jesus is doing as he's saving people of all over, of different stories, of different places. So gathered together universal sense here. We spend most time in this place because I want to, I, I really want to pick up on that because I think there's this gatheredness and then this sentness that we need to understand. So that's the first lens. The second lens is this. So within that local church, there's, a, there's this, it repeats, a gatheredness and a sentness. And the way that, that we express this is through Sundays and through community groups. But let's look back at the scriptures first. Uh, Acts chapter two. Acts chapter two. Uh, in, in the book of Acts, the church begins, and you see the first local church r- right away. Jesus ascends into heaven. He sends his Holy Spirit. It fills the believers. They begin to preach about Christ, and people begin to respond in faith. Look at uh, verse 41, chapter 2, verse 41. So those who received the, his word were baptized and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. So they, they believe and they're brought into the family. And then the very next picture, verses, they give a snapshot of what this family life looks like. Verses 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. That's what they devoted themselves to. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs are being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So the core of that passage is a snapshot of this local church life. What does it look like when God creates a community of faith? Uh, when, when, when the people of God are created and brought together, what happens? Well, they begin to devote themselves to the authoritative teaching of God's word. They begin to, to share life together, share their, 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 their stuff. They share food. They, they walk it out. But notice this, verse 46. So as, as everything is happening in their life, and then it's, it's not just this inward thing. We're like, oh man, I felt this burning in my heart towards Jesus, which they did. But it also begins to change their outward life and how they relate to one another. Here's how it plays out, verse 46. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. Temple together and in their homes. There was this continuation of the, what's called corporate or, or, or body worship where people would come together and, and, and learn and, uh, and participate in kind of the, the broader community. That didn't go away when the church began. But also there was a sense of, hey, this now touches and, 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 and impacts every aspect of life. And so it's not just this one thing. It's, it's a both and. It's a gathered and a scattered. And at uh, Anthem, uh, the way that, that Anthem expresses this is through Sunday worship and then community groups. Sunday worship 
and community groups. It's two halves of a whole that what you're experiencing and, and, and sitting through right now, right in this moment, you're just, you're just sitting and listening. This is not the life of the church. This is a slice of the life of the church. And if your understanding of church is simply this, you're only getting a part of the whole that what, and this is going back to the first thing I said, that part of what it means to be saved is you are saved into the people of God. And the people of God, they worship, they sit under the authoritative teaching of God's word because they want their life to conform to his reality. They gather around the table of communion because that's where they, they re remember Jesus and they're formed in that space. But also, it's an identity that shapes every aspect of their life. It's not just a Sunday event. It goes into the homes. And so what Anthem does is they, they make community groups to say, hey, you, you need to, to take this reality and press it into your homes and you can see the, the universal to the local to the neighborhood. It's God's presence. It's God's gospel inv invading more and more specific spaces and areas. That's the mission and design of God's church. And there are things that you can do uh, when you're gathered together in different sizes that help uh, uh, walk through that snapshot that we just read. It's, it's, this is a great place for the authoritative teaching of God's word to happen. We're able to, to gather together and sit under it as one group in one community. We're able to lift our voice and be reminded of the throng, the, 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 the real, the people who are, who are present in our community lifting our lives. But, but this is not, this space is not where you're gonna be like super known. And where every single gift is going to be exercised in this space. And so if this is all you see as church, you're lacking in your understanding of what it means to walk in the identity God has given you. And that leads to the third lens. And I, and I, I, I call this the, the body and the pinky toe. Because it's, it's getting down more. I was just like, what's the, uh, the reason I picked pinky toe, because it's not scriptural, but it's just like, what's like the smallest, what's the, the most, like, the smallest part of the human body. Where, where is that at? Because that's the, the picture that Paul gives in 1 Corinthians 12. This is the last uh, passage of scripture I, I want us to just really take a look at. Because within this body that we're saying this is your identity, there's also this reality that you are you. And what's, what's your name? You have a name, and I don't have that name. We have different names. We have different stories, different personalities. You, you are an individual person with a different job than me, with a, di you know, a different address. How does that get played out? 1 Corinthians 12. Verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. That's salvation. You're baptized into the body of Jew or Greek, slave or free. All were made to drink of one spirit. But verse 14, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the whole body were an eye, 
where would, the sense of hear, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If we were all a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Skip down verse 27. Now, just explicit. You are the body of Christ, and individually, members of it. Pinky toe cannot say to the rib cage because I'm not a rib cage. Every single person here has a purpose and a place in the body. And again, if your understanding of church is an hour, hour and a half, if I go long, right? You know what I mean? Like if, you're, if, if your understanding of church is, is Sunday morning event, then it's going to be tough for you to see how you fit into the body of Christ. But as it is, what Jesus has done is he has saved not your Sunday mornings. He has saved your whole life. And he's brought you into a people, not a club that meets on Sunday mornings, but into a family that exists all over the world and enacts the gospel of Jesus in every area of life. And so what that means is that you must see the universal church. You must see it scattered house to house. You must see that this impacts all of life. It's not just something you choose to go to on a Sunday. It's part of your identity given to you in the gospel. And therefore, you ought to commit yourself to a local church. That's not an anthem church plug. That's a local church plug because within the context of a local church where with that expression of that reality where you as an individual, the gifting, the story, the uniqueness that God has made your life is going to find its expression. And even I'll say this, this is, uh, I didn't say this in the first one since I have the elders backing on this. I'll speak to the elders that this must be a church where every member matters, where, where every individual and every story is, is unique and, and gifted to the church, that, that the church is not the same without you. The body needs the members. So the body is not the same without you, and you are not the same without the body. There's this interdependence, this linkage. This linkage. The church is both one and many. And this idea of the one and the many, I mean, that's, that's just woven into all of creation, the one and the many. And if you study philosophy, philosophers for millennia have struggled to, to, is everything one or is it multiple? Is it one or is it multiple? And I think it's an idea woven into creation from our triune God. One and many, the church is gathered and scattered gathered, scattered. That's not different forms. That's, that's, that's actually what the, it's not sometimes gathered, sometimes scattered. It's like that is what the church is, gathered, scattered. It's like breathing in, breathing out. Not gathered and scattered, gathered to be scattered. Jesus brings people from every tribe, tongue, and nation to send out to the nations. He brings people into a local church to send out into the neighborhoods. Brings you in so that your individual life might manifest and declare and show the glory of God in a way that only your story can bring. Gathered, scattered, so that in every aspect, in every way, in every part of life, the beauty of Jesus might be displayed and shown. That's the church. The people of God worshiping God, and participating in the mission of God in every aspect, in every play, all of, all of life, all of us, all the world 
That's the reality. So because of that, now let me, let me preach. Because uh, that's just all been like lecture in some ways. That's all just like Bible study. But I want to bring this to, to this church, to this place. Because I think some of the implications of this are, are uh, mission and commitment. And those are some things that, that really need to get pressed into uh, our life because we don't always want to hear those things. And so let me just come, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take this, this lens, I'm gonna walk through the gathered side first and then the scattered side second. I'm gonna say, okay, how, how does this actually look like? What does this mean for your life? We've hinted at some things, but let's get a little more specific. On this gathered side, starting with the universal lens, it means this, we've already said this, that you are not disconnected. Part of what it means to be saved is you are saved into the family of God. That is your identity. Church is not optional it's the gospel. It's brought, you're brought into a family. And so when you think about your identity, it, it, it involves other people. And if you were to, this is an exercise that I've done with people, and, and, and it's sometimes surprising because we don't think of this way. If you were to think of the average Christian, so whatever pops in your mind, what does an average Christian look like? If you were to kind of like reach into the basket of the world and pull out just a random person, odds are it's a young, poor, Asian or Latina woman. That's just like the, numerically, that's the most common denominator of, of the church globally. And so as you think of your own identity, the pressing of the gospel is that as you think about yourself, to think of yourself in such a way that it includes them that the needs of people around the globe, the needs of followers of Jesus are, are, are your own. And when the church is persecuted and when the church is hungry, when the church is, is hurting, that that is on us to consider and pray for and give and go, that, that that matters to you and I. We can't build a comfortable, like, cave away from, no, you are part of a global story and that young girl is your sister every bit as much as that person you took pictures with when you were five, you know. It's your sister. There's a reality that presses in on your identity. This is who you are. You are more like them even than your blood brothers and sisters. As we move from the, the universal down to the, the Sunday gatherings, that with this moment that we're happening, it's happening right now, there's an importance and a weightiness to our time together. There's an importance and a weightiness to our time together. That God, from the beginning, has always gathered his people to worship him together. And as a scattered people to different places, we come back together to display, to show, to worship, to, to live under God's kingdom in this specific location. So God reigns from heaven, and then he reigns specifically in Thousand Oaks through his church. So what happens here on a Sunday morning in this Sunday worship space is not like a little, your, your, you know, morning you have your espresso shot and you get on throughout your day. This is not your spiritual shot to get you through the week. That's not what the Sunday gathering is. Some teaching, some information, some principles that I can apply to my life and help me live more happy. That's not what this is. And that's not what preaching is. This is not a TED Talk it's already longer than most TED Talks. This is not a, a, a TED Talk. This is not a Bible lecture. This is not even teaching. This is preaching. 
And the difference there is this, is that teaching is sort of generic um, information about the Bible that, that everyone everywhere can, can come in and know. But, but what preaching is, it maybe starts out in that place of here's what, who God is and what he's done, and then it takes that truth about God and brings it to a place. That's what preaching is. It takes this universal truth about who God is and what he's done, and then it brings it into Thousand Oaks. It brings it into 2018. It brings it into your life. It brings it into the struggles, hopes, fears, idols of this city and this community and says, this is God's throne. May it be in this place as it is in heaven. That's what preaching is. That's why it's monologue and not dialogue. There's plenty of other places where there's dialogue, and there should be. There should be dialogue. But this moment, there, there's a sense of we want to live under God's kingdom. And so we open up God's word and we say, may it be here as it is in heaven. That's what's happening when we do this. And so listen, you are missing something when you simply podcast and digitize your spirituality. That, that, that preaching, it, it can be listened to from other places. You have your favorite preachers and it's good to learn from them. But there's something that's lost if that is your, your regular dose, if we're, that, that's, that, that's that reality, but the places that you're actually pressed into a local community where God's kingdom is breaking through. There's this prophetic aspect where you're making known God's throne. God is shaping his local church through his preaching, through the gathering. This is what Hebrews 10 is getting at when it says this. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Encouraging one another, not neglecting to meet together, that that matters. And so the gathering of the body, that, that you, are a, you are not a lone ranger Christian, you are brought into a body. And so we come together and we, we live life together, we, we share a common mission because through this you are shaped more and more into the image of God's Son as you serve one another, as you care for one another, as you sing together, as you hear from the word, it shapes you. You are part of the body. And commitment to this body is how, or, or to the body, the local church is how you are known. It's how your gifts are expressed. The church is not the church without you, and you are not you without the church. That's the principle that's at work. And to that, let me just say one really quick thing, because I know a lot of people, it's a little kind of half tangent, but it's this. A lot of people are new, to anthem, or you've been hurt by the church. You've been hurt by the church. And so my talk of commitment, my talk of necessity, my talk of this is your identity, that's actually a, maybe a scary thing. Like, yo, I just got here. <laughs> or maybe you've been hurt, and so you're saying, I, 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 dude, it's taking so much courage for me to get out of bed and, and be present for this hour and a half. And, and I, like, to, to talk more, this is scary language because people have talked like this and hurt me in the past. And if that's you, that's why I want to take this tangent because I know that that's many, and I just want to say to you that there's grace for you in that place and that, and that there's patience in this. But might I just point out to you, please, if you would hear me, as we're walking through the scriptures, that this is God's plan. The church is not an optional part of God's mission. It is God's mission. He saves you into a family. He's healing your vertical relationship with him, but he's also healing. He's bringing people together. That's the vision. That's the picture of what God is doing. And it would make sense, wouldn't it? 
that that, that, that that place that is tender and beautiful and unique, that that would be a place of attack, that that would be a place where, where, where our enemy would want to um, poison. And that as we come together, you and I, and we're sinful and we're broken and we, we have needs and we don't, like that, that it makes sense that there would be hurt. And so I don't mean to minimize that. Or in fact, I, I want to just even acknowledge it and say, yeah, that, that, that's just part of the reality. But I would plead with you to, to, to not give up on the church. There's grace and there's patience for you. Grace and patience for you. As maybe you tenderly approach and come in. But, but, but would you see that what God is doing is he's gathering people from all nations, sending them to the nations. He's gathering people in a locality, sending into the neighborhoods, gathering into a body and releasing individual people, breathing in, breathing out. This is what God is doing. So that you, as you come to live under his rule, his rule might be expressed and experienced in every corner, through every story. That even your story of hurt might be a unique opportunity for God's glory and grace to now find an expression where people can come to know Jesus. Tangent over. Okay, um, last bit. Just walking through this scattered piece, what does this mean? This local piece, that you've been scattered to a local location. Well, here's, here's the reality is this, is that this scattering of, of this going, this is embedded in the DNA of the church. Well, an exercise I always try to think of is this, is that if this room right here were, in fact, the only believers in Jesus in the whole world, if this were the only believers in Jesus in the whole world, was this room, is this room right here, is there the DNA in this room that from this place we would reach the ends of the earth? My, my guess is most of you have, have, just, have not considered that or thought of that because we haven't had to. But this scattering peace is embedded in what it means to be the church. And so to be a local church means that you are always you're always pressing outward. You're always pressing forward that you've been sent to a place to be sent further. And so whether it's giving, whether it's going, praying, whatever your participation, this is the life of the local church, this consistent pressing forward. And it needs to be reminded because our tendency, your, just the human tendency is to comfort, to ease. As Anthem Church has now been around close to nine years, it like that, that impulse can, can die and to press it forward and to press it further. And to see then this locality that God has sent Anthem Church, he sent the local church to this place, to this culture, that there is a uniqueness to this body, to this time period, to this place, that there needs to be a certain kind of church here so that Jesus might be known in Thousand Oaks. There's a culture that, that needs the gospel, and you don't always know that you're in a culture. You just think this is normal life. This is all you've known. Until you experience some sort of culture shock and you realize, oh, that this way of living life, this is not normal life for everybody else in every other way. I, I experienced that legitimately. When I went, it, it, was, it was small, but when my wife and I, when we moved, we were doing youth ministry in like inner city LA. We moved here for the church planting residency and legitimately experienced on a small scale, but like legitimate culture shock. There's things where, where you're encountering things and you're like, oh, this is different. I don't know how to completely operate in that. So like, this is silly, but then we, I would go to a meeting and I would take a water bottle and I'd drink it and I would spit it out. And I'd be like, what is this? Because in my entire life, 
no one I've ever known, and I've never, I've never had sparkling water. <laughs> I was like, this is a thing? I didn't even know it existed. And it was like, oh, this is, this is just normal, you know? Uh, maybe that's just like an anthem pastor's thing. But that was, that was the reality. Or, or, the, or the, well, a place where I felt this a little bit, and again, this is not, uh, I, I make this example not to say this is good or this is bad. I'm just saying there's, it's different and the need for a church, a need for a people to reach the gospel in this area. But my first week here, I was driving down Moore Park Road past TL High School and there were signs for like a fundraiser car wash. And as I saw the signs, I saw the kids holding the signs, my, my first thought as I drove was, oh man, I wonder who died. Because the city that I was doing youth ministry, it was a weekly common occurrence where that's how you fundraised for funerals and funeral costs was through hosting uh, uh, car washes. That's how you raise money for funeral costs. And so I'm driving down, I was like, oh, it's the band. I was like, oh, okay, well, that's different. And it, it just, uh, that's how I knew I was in a different place. It doesn't mean that's a bad place or that that's a good place or anything, but it's different. And that's a small, even silly example, but it's the things that you don't even notice until you start to realize, oh no, there's a uniqueness to this area, there's a uniqueness to this place, and that if the church is to be the church, it's been scattered, it's been sent and commissioned by King Jesus to this place to be the church that Thousand Oaks needs. And if I could use a really positive, positive example, one thing I see at this church that is beautiful is living out the culture and cultivating the culture of generosity. That's, that's a celebrated thing. Look, lit, like literally celebrate generosity. That's part of the life of this church. And now generosity is true for every church, every time, everywhere. The gospel compels you to be generous. But there's a specificness to Thousand Oaks and, and specificness to suburban life where there's a culture of more, 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 more. And when you act in generosity, what you are doing is you are intentionally combating idolatrous culture that can be at work in a place where it's moving up, moving up, moving up, moving up. When you sacrifice intentionally, when you live on less than, you are proclaiming a gospel to the world. You are showing the beauty of Jesus in your life. There's a locality that the scattered church, that it matters and it impacts your life. And so I really want you to consider what does it mean to be the church that Thousand Oaks needs where Jesus is seen. And then when the community groups, this aspect of saying, hey, it's not just this event, it's not just the show, it's not just this thing, it's actually a life. Look in community groups, this scattered aspect, what that means for the church is that you are known, that your messes, your failures, your joys, your, your fears, they are exposed when you're in community. You're accountable to others, you're committed. Those are all things that, that we struggle with in, in, in suburban life. What, what, what T.O. needs is community, to be known and to be loved at the same time. And so when, the, when, when we bring the gospel from now from this place now to the neighborhood, now to the home, now we're invading your space just a little bit and you're invited into someone's space, it creates an uncomfortability, but it's the gospel pressing into every aspect of life. And when this happens, this is where you truly become alive because you are a member of the body. You have been gifted, you have been called, your life has a weight and a significance and a purpose, not because you're amazing, but because God has wired you and gifted you and put your story for a purpose, which is to give him glory. And that's not 
Whether you have crazy, amazing gifts or you're just like, I don't even know what my gifts are. Whether you have this crazy, cool story, you're like, my story is just one of weakness and shame. Look, God's glory is shown because he removes your shame and he's present even in your weakness. The, your life individually scattered, your life is telling a story that no one else's story can tell. And what the church needs is it needs these gathered body, but it needs these individual stories. It needs these individual giftings. It needs your presence that you must not walk away from the church. And you must not say that you don't matter. Because in the life of God, in the gospel, he's brought you in for a purpose. He's brought you in so that his glory might be known, so that from the universe to the local place, to the neighborhood, to the individual life, he would be tasted and seen, his story would be known. The church is one body, but made of many members, and yet, as we close, there is only one head. This is Ephesians 1, verse 19. It says this, that you would know the immeasurable greatness of God's power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that God worked in Jesus, in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. So Jesus is seated in the heavenly places, verse 21, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. Jesus is above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And God put all things under Jesus' feet and gave Jesus as the head over all things to the church, and the church is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Jesus is this universal king reigning over all creation. There's no name, there's no power, there's nothing that rivals his throne because Jesus died and rose from the dead. There is no kingdom that will ever rival Jesus' kingdom. He alone reigns forever and he reigns over the earth. And yet, even as we have this universal picture of Jesus, we also know that Jesus is the one that was sent, wasn't he? And so he was born in Bethlehem. He, his name, Jesus of Nazareth, crucified in Jerusalem. There's a, specific, a specificity. There's a, there's a locality. There's a, a pinpointedness to Jesus' ministry. He is the king over the world, but he's also your king. He is savior of the world, and yet he's also um, forgiven and cleansed you individually. This is the motion of the gospel, this breathing in and breathing out that Jesus, through his death and resurrection, he is gathering people together in his kingdom, sending them out amongst the nations that his glory might be known. Within those places, gathering them in local churches that they might live under his kingdom, live under his rule, sending them to neighborhoods, gathering as one body and yet releasing individual lives so that every aspect, every corner, every inch of this world might, might that the glory of God might be experienced, the beauty of Christ, his grace, his power over death, that it might be known from, from the universe down to the every minute of every day, it's from, from, the, the, from Thousand Oaks to the ends of the earth, that Jesus might be known and tasted and experienced. That's what it means to be a part of the church. That's the story that you are called into. And so as you consider your life, as you consider Jesus, this is what you are called into.
As you consider Anthem Church, this is the mission and the heart of Anthem Church, that it would, it would press on, it would press in, it would join in with what God is doing and then be sent specifically to this place. It would bring people in and send them out to other places, that this is the heart and this is what you, we're calling you to be a part of. Don't be missing from this. And again, that's, that's not a commercial for Anthem Church. It's more commercial for the local church. That what God is doing through the local church is he's bringing his people together. His glory is being known. Step in, press in, get involved. Not because the church needs you. It does. And, but, but you need the church because this is what God is doing in all and through all. He's using us. So let me pray for us and I'll invite the band to help us worship and respond. God, we confess God, we confess all the ways that we don't want this to be the reality. God, our, our comfort our independence, our autonomy. Um, yeah, God, there's just a million reasons not to, to press into your church. It's, it's uncomfortable and costly. And so God, we just even just confess those that, that as we're coming through these doors, that might even be our reality. And God, I pray that you would help us see a picture of Jesus crucified and resurrected, king over all, gathering people from every story. Would you help us be drawn into that? Help us lean into that and desire what you would have for us. And God, I pray for Anthem Church specifically, that, that this would be the church that Thousand Oaks needs. And pray for other churches in Thousand Oaks, God, that, that, they, would, that they would find different pockets and different places to really make your uh, kingdom be experienced and known, Jesus be declared on earth as it is in heaven, so that that the people living here would know the love, the power, the grace that is found in Christ and Christ alone. Help us to walk through our hurts and our pains to be the family, the people of God. Gathered and scattered. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, would you uh, worship with me? Would you stand and, and, and respond um, to God's word? See, as a church, what we just we hear from God. It's spoken with authority. It's saying, hey, this is what God calls you to. And then we respond as a community in joyful worship of, of the God who has brought us together, of the God who is worthy of praise, that there's a, a unity in our voices. There's a, your life is an individual. This is the, the idea of, 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 of harmony. That your life is different than mine, but we sing the same song together, and it's different and yet the same that, that our voices together rise and they bring this offering to God that is different than just me singing by myself in my car. There's a reality of the, the body singing together. So we're going to sing songs of worship. And as you do that, you, you're invited to come forward and take communion. This, this table is representative of what brings us together. It's not common likes. It's not, it's not shared income levels. It's not age. It's not race. It's, it's, it's the, the personal work of Jesus. His, his body shed, broken for us. His blood shed for us. And so as you come to the table, you're remembering, this is what my, my life is, is built around, the grace and identity that's found in Jesus. And so we encourage you to come forward as we sing, if you're a believer in Christ, but not to come alone. 
to actually come with your family, with your community group. If you see someone by themselves, even be so bold as to invite them to participate with you. We share this meal together as a body. And lastly, there's uh, a, a place for you to, to give and to give generously. Not your, your club dues, but your participation. I'm saying this is, this is my life flowing through this body. I said lastly, this is actually the true last thing. There'll be people who are present for prayer as, as we're walking through this. If there's anything that's been said that really struck a nerve, a hurt, a pain, a fear, we'd love for you to experience prayer. Or maybe if it's completely unrelated to anything we talked about, I just know as you wake up in the morning and you come here, you carry griefs and sorrows and sins. Maybe they didn't get addressed in this sermon, but you're needing to, to um, be blessed uh, uh, from God. And so there'll be people who will pray for you. Um, for those specific things as well. So let's sing, come forward, and respond uh, to who God is and what he's done.